The Devil's Advocates Radio Show is broadcast under a time brokerage agreement between Devil Radio and Civic Media Inc. Some portions of this program may be pre-recorded. Warning, you're about to listen to the greatest radio show ever. And due to contractual obligations and to shield our airwaves and corporate licensees from any semblance of liability, responsibility, and gullibility, we must tell you the views represented on this show are not necessarily those of this station or its management. This radio show contains differing points of view on current political topics, and due to the nature of its contents, it should be heard by everyone. Thank you for listening. Now live from the Civic Media Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, where the political party is just beginning, welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Friends proving it's never personal, only politics. Please allow me to introduce myself. And now, here's your hosts, Dom and Crute. Welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Dom, it's a presidential election day Tuesday. I'm here in Las Vegas. Nevada votes today, but that ain't the lead, is it, buddy? Oh, hell no. It's not good to see you, Crudy. Glad you made it there. Safe and sound. Nate work on the board and the hard work you do. Thank you, sir. Of course, the audience, man. What a, what a glorious day it is. Can't wait to dive into it. Uh, apparently, Michael, former President Donald Trump does not have absolute immunity. I hear it's been revoked, Dom. <laughs> now. Just been revoked. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Little Danny Glover, Lethal Weapon 3, I believe that is, Dom. But here's the headline. Rachel Weiner at the Washington Post. Trump has no immunity from January 6th prosecution and appeals court rules. And Dom, as you know, and soon the audience will, a federal appeals court has unanimously ruled that Donald Trump could be put to trial for trying to stay in power after losing the 2020 election, rejecting Trump's sweeping claim of presidential immunity as dangerous and unsupported by the U.S. Constitution. At public arguments, yeah, it's too bad for Trump. At public arguments in January, the three judges expressed concern over the extreme implications of Trump's view, with one suggesting it would allow a future president to order the assassination of a political rival but in their opinion Tuesday, they say it was Trump's own alleged crimes, an unprecedented assault on the structure of our government. That's the quote from the ruling, Dom, that threatened democracy if left beyond the reach of criminal prosecution. Again, another statement from the unanimous ruling. We cannot accept former President Trump's claim that a president has unbounded authority to commit crimes that would neutralize the most fundamental check on executive power the recognition and implementation of election results, nor can we sanction his apparent contention that executive has carte blanche to violate the rights of individual citizens to vote and to have their votes count. Dom, this seemed quite full-throated to me. (laughs) Yes, apparently it was. uh, Rulings one of several expected this spring that could determine whether Trump will campaign for president this fall from behind bars and whether he is able to compete for election at all. In it comes days before the Supreme Court considers another untested question raised by Trump's candidacy, whether the former president is an insurrectionist prohibited by the Constitution from returning to the White House because of his actions around January 6th. Trump was appealing the decision made by Chutkin, the judge overseeing his trial in D.C., and has made clear he plans to keep pressing his case to the higher courts. 
Uh, the D.C. Circuit Panel set tight deadlines for that review. Crudy, if it goes to the Supreme Court, saying it would only give Trump until February 12th, that's next Monday, folks, to ask the Supreme Court to intervene. Uh, it is being reported that Trump's legal team is saying they will do that. That would make it hard for Trump to ask the full court, U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit to review the ruling first, while his legal arguments keep failing in court. Even rulings against him increase his chances of delaying any federal trial in D.C. until after the presidential election, in which he is the Republican frontrunner. Congratulations, Republicans. Uh, a little bit more here. The trial had been scheduled for March 4th, one of four criminal prosecutions Trump is facing while simultaneously campaigning to regain the White House, but it was postponed indefinitely last week for the appeals process on the immunity issue to continue. Ah, she jumped the gun last week, Chutkin. Should have just waited a week. Uh, Curdy, the panel wrote per curiam, meaning they are speaking with one voice. And these are these are judges appointed both by Republicans and Democrats. It was a 57 page opinion addressing all the arguments Trump's attorneys made during arguments before the appellate court in January. A uh, quote from Steve Vladek, a professor at the University of Texas Law School. The opinion is as strong an argument against Supreme Court intervention as there could have been. Whether it's strong enough. It's up to the justices. Five justices would have to agree to keep the trial on hold for Trump's appeal. Uh, Vladek predicted may, may, that the court... May yeah, I interrupt you only to acknowledge that I thought it was four justices. It is five, Dom. You were right. Vladek predicted that the court would either take the case quickly and decide it before the term ends in late June or early July or not take it at all. Another quote, they don't want to be seen as running out the clock, he said, if they want to step in, I think they would have to step in this term. Talk about the term of the Supreme Court. I don't know. I mean, 57 pages, uh, uh, unanimous ruling. Sounds like they, I didn't read the entirety of it, uh, but it sounds like they were pretty tight uh, and, and scathing in their ruling. I'm betting they don't take it up. Why would they want to get involved? What about this ruling from the appellate could they possibly think was not done properly? A little more from the coverage at the Post on the lone Republican appointee on the panel, Karen Henderson, has historically been sympathetic to broad presidential power. But during the oral argument, she called it paradoxical that a president's duty to faithfully execute the laws would allow him to violate them. That characterization is reflected in the final opinion, which calls Trump's position a striking paradox. It also suggests that some fear of future prosecution serves an important purpose. You know, Dom, to deter possible abuses of power and criminal yeah. behavior. That's that's why they charge crimes. The court quoted Chutkin's earlier ruling, every president will face difficult decisions whether to intentionally commit a federal crime should not be one of them. <laughs> you, you know, Dom, there, there's other... Instant analysts. I mean, this is going to be the big story, folks. If you are unaware, President, former President Donald Trump is not immune from prosecution. This is the breaking well, news today. Go ahead. Of course, Tom, we I'm all sorry. know this, right? We intrinsically know this. I mean, 230 years of, of, of precedent. We know this. Of course, it cannot possibly be. If that were to be the case, Biden could send SEAL Team 6 after Trump right now. So, uh, yes, I would this is a great ruling. For the rule of law for this country, but why does it take so long? Perhaps they're dotting their eyes, crossing their T's, getting their ducks in a row to make it so tight and so specific uh, that the Supreme Court 
cannot possibly want to wait in and take this thing. Dominic, I would tell you what, had this ruling come out a different way against, you know, the 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 logic of the Constitution that, you know, a president, no president is immune from prosecution. Had this come out the exact opposite way, if I was Joe, I'd have called SEAL Team 6 right away. <laughs> right. I'd have struck while right. the – before the ink settled, before the, the appellate <laughs> right. ruling by the Supreme Court, I'd have gone and shown him in reality what the execution of his – advocacy would look like oh terrible through seal team yeah, six. tell a special prosecutor to stand down order have garlic merrick garland order jack smith to stand down send out teals seal team six and it's only going to be what joe forever i mean that doesn't make any sense and of course we know this and donald trump they are desperate uh and, and what really shocks me the most about this the entirety of this issue is how many Republicans are there supporting him? I mean, do they understand that if what you are saying, what you are supporting in Donald Trump's actions were to come to fruition, well, you could be waxed too, man. It could be Al Capone around the table talking about baseball, and it could be every one of you one at a time. It does. I just can't believe that they would actually think that this is righteous and justifiable in any sense. I agree with you, Dom. Aaron Blake over at the Washington Post staying with their coverage Four takeaways from Trump's loss and his immunity case. Um, Donald Trump suffered a significant setback Tuesday in his quest to escape criminal conviction with a three-judge panel of U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit ruling that he is not immune from charges for his acts as president. And the unanimous decision from two Democratic-nominated judges and one Republican-nominated one sets the sage for a potential appeal to the Supreme Court. Oh, he's appealing. If Trump ultimately were to succeed, his federal indictment for allegedly illegal effort to overturn the 2020 election, one of four indictments he faces, would be undercut severely. But for now, the courts have <laughs> decisively rejected Trump's novel claims with significant implications for what lies ahead. Uh, lies ahead, singular, below some takeaways, plural, Dom. I'm going to get started, but I'm going to need your help. One, All right. as mentioned, the decision was full-throated it was one thing to rule against trump it was another to do so as decisively as the unanimous judges did in repeatedly knocking down his claims to immunity they served notice that it wasn't a particularly close call it wasn't close um uh, a little bit more here the judges rejected trump's claims that allowing a former president to be criminally charged would chill the actions of future presidents who would be constantly concerned about their own indictments they rejected the idea that impeachment was a substitute or a necessary precursor to criminal charges for a president. And perhaps uh, most notably, they cast the idea of Trump being immune as a potentially dangerous precedent. Again, from the ruling. At bottom, former President Trump's stance would collapse our system of separated powers by placing the president beyond the reach of all three branches. We cannot accept that the office of the presidency places its former occupants above the law for all time thereafter. It later added, it would be a striking paradox if the president, who alone is vested with constitutional duty to take care that laws be faithfully executed, were the sole officer capable of defying those laws with impunity. <laughs> they said there was no functional justification for finding Trump immune, and the judges cast Trump as effectively saying a president should have carte blanche to the rights of individual citizens to vote and have their votes count. 
And more than that, they noted that Trump's attempt to cling to power illustrates precisely the kind of case in which such immunity could go badly wrong. Again, from the judges, we cannot accept former President Trump's claim that a president has unbounded authority to commit crimes that would neutralize the most fundamental check on executive power, the recognition and implementation of election results, the judges wrote. Sounds pretty full-throated to me, Crudy. I like a full-throated appellate decision. Um, we are the devil's advocates. Crudy landed in Vegas. I'll tell you all about the primary election happening later today. Hell, it's going on right now. Very few voting, but they are voting. But the devil's advocates, we got some good news. Trump is not immune from prosecution. Appeal to the Supreme Court. Oh, you can bet on it. More devil's advocates, bet on that as well. The big and tall of political talk, the devil's advocates. And we are back from the 420 break. Thank you for listening to the devil's advocates radio show. Love it. When you join the political party, you can do so at 844-967-2789. The breaking news today. We're going to talk about it. We want your opinions. Donald Trump is not immune from prosecution for his efforts of the J6. Uh, during J6, we're going through some of the coverage of it right now. Aaron Blake from the Washington Post has four takeaways. Crudy mentioned the first one. The decision was full-throated. Again, a unanimous 57-page ruling. Uh, Aaron Blake also points out, number two, the decision that the appellate court used Trump's and his lawyer's own words against him. Oh, ouch, that's got to hurt. Repeatedly in the ruling, the judges pointed to the words of Trump and his own attorneys. Mere hours before the decision, Trump on Monday night claimed that not having immunity would mean, all caps, every president that leaves office will be immediately indicted by the opposing party, unquote. The judges in their ruling noted that Trump himself regularly notes that his indictments as a former president are unprecedented, suggesting that any fear of post-presidential indictments becoming routine is imagined or at least overblown. The judges know that despite Trump's claim to absolute immunity, his own attorney effectively conceded that presidents aren't absolutely immune. The lawyer told the judges last month that a former president could, in fact, be charged as long as he's is first impeached by the House and convicted by the Senate. They know that Trump's own impeachment lawyers granted that he still he could still be criminally charged, even if acquitted by the Senate. One of those lawyers said the criminal courts were actually the more appropriate venue given that Trump was the former president at that point. And finally, the judges advanced the idea that this very argument might actually have helped Trump win his impeachment trial. Yeah, hey, you don't got to do it now. You know, you can you can bring him to court, you can sue him, or, or you can try to uh, indict him afterwards, afterwards. Yeah, no doubt. A lot, of, a lot of those Republican senators bought into that, and therefore did that meet the threshold for impeachment. Uh, here, here's the quote from the judges. The 43 senators who voted to acquit him relied on a variety of concerns, many of which had nothing to do with whether he committed the charge of, uh, charged offense. Indeed, at least 30 senators who voted to acquit relied at least in part on a belief that the Senate lacked the power to convict a former president. In essence, the judges called Trump out for disowning the technical argument that may have won his impeachment acquittal. Can't have it both ways, Trump. You don't think so? Dom, 
It hamstrings Trump's efforts to delay. Takeaway number three, this one. It's probably got me the most excited. Get a little quiver up my leg, a la Chris Matthews. <laughs> it has always seemed unlikely that Trump would prevail with his novel and sweeping arguments, but the decision and its timing have some practical implications. One is that he could face tough sledding if he asked for an in-bank review, one in which the entire appeals court weighs in or even looks to a more conservative-leaning Supreme Court, the decision just that strongly was just that strongly against him. Dom, it was full-throated, as mentioned. Perhaps the bigger one, though, is that the decision means for the schedule of his trial. Yeah, that's the important part, Dom. Part of the motivation for pursuing this immunity claim appears that it is caused delays in the trial, which was initially set for next month. Yeah, I had it circled on my calendar, Dom. March 4th, jury selection. Uh, Dom, Trump has made clear he doesn't want to face trial during the 2024 campaign or ever. But judges have now hamstrung him to some degree. They put their ruling on hold until Monday, and it would remain on hold only if Trump appeals to the Supreme Court. That effectively means he could ask for an en banc review by the full appeals court first, but that wouldn't prevent Judge Tanya Chutkin from pressing forward. And if Trump's strategy is delay, one tactic has been blunted. Trump's campaign quickly signaled it would appeal the ruling, but it didn't address the where or the when, Dom. And finally, Crudy Aaron Blake out the Washington Post, the implication for a second Trump term, while Trump's legal defense will suffer the most immediate impact, the ruling would also significantly affect his return to office should he be elected. Trump has signaled an intent to pursue a more authoritarian vision in that term, and for now, the justice system is signaling that he won't be able to pursue it unfettered. Not content to merely reject Trump's arguments based on the text of the Constitution and historical precedent, the judges repeatedly pointed to the practical consideration of a president's being given such broad immunity. They cited how he would have, again, carte blanche, to violate the rights of citizens and how such a thing would collapse our system of separated powers. And they gestured at the idea that a president could even use his immunity to cling to power by breaking the law. Yeah, we've talked about that. Aaron Blake concludes that the Washington Post said it all makes sense. But the way the judges laid it out made clear just what vast power the former and potentially future president was really asking for. Uh, and I don't know, man, I'm, I'm taking the odds right now. I don't think, I don't think the Supreme Court takes it up. Well, Dom, I've got the MSNBC up here at the MGM Grand Signature in my room here as I'm broadcasting, and the breaking news they're reporting at this moment, SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, to hear oral arguments on Trump's ballot eligibility after the appeals court rejected his claims of immunity. So the 14th Amendment claims, SCOTUS is going to hear oral arguments on that. Whether or not the man is eligible to be on the ballot, Dom. Now, predicated on some of the prior conversations we've had there and the prior rulings of even the Neil Gorsuch, right? The originalist on this court. Uh, this could be a real trick bag for Trump. And this one, this one would exclude him from the ballot if the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't see things his way. I mean, the guy's no longer a candidate. And that could happen all the way up to Election Day, as far as I'm concerned. That would affect him all the way until Election Day. So if the SCOTUS is taking up that, again, the 14th Amendment question of whether or not Trump should remain yeah. ballot eligible, 
Well, Dom, we would have a ruling by the end of summer. Uh, CNN kind of brings up this point as well. One paragraph on Tuesday's ruling caught the attention of legal experts who are also watching the 14th Amendment insurrection ban case that is being argued at the Supreme Court on Thursday. The cases are entirely separate, but this is a criminal prosecution against Trump, and the upcoming Supreme Court case is a civil attempt to remove Trump from the state ballots. Further, the appeals court findings and explanations in Tuesday's ruling are not binding on the Supreme Court. Nonetheless, the appeal appeals ruling refers describe the president as an officer. He is an officer. That's what this ruling came out today articulates that president, former President Trump is an officer. There is an open legal question being argued Thursday before the Supreme Court over whether the presidency is an office under the United States and whether the president is an officer as described in the insurrection ban. The appeal, uh, appeals ruling said, quote, it would be a striking paradox if the president, who alone is vested with the constitutional duty to take care the laws be faithfully executed were the sole officer capable of defying those laws with impunity. Apparently, according to this ruling, he is an officer. Now the Supreme Court's going to, what, address that on Thursday. But hell, you know, he's the leading candidate in the GOP. Good luck, GOP megas. You know, we've got a little poem submission here on the text line, Dom. I'm going to read it for the audience. It's brief. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not quite haiku, but brief. Right. And maggoteers cascade down like falling rain. They'll wander around in shock and pain. The truth, all caps, comes through. Maybe jail too. Hopefully the Donald is royally screwed. Thank you for that fine little sonnet there. Mark from the sack. Come on back. We're talking to you next. 844-967-2789. Crudy live from Vegas. They're voting in a primary today. But the big news, Trump does not have immunity and uh, see you in court, fella. I don't know if you know the devil's advocates, but the show is kind of a big deal. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show, the Tuesday edition. It's a primary day. People are voting in the great state of Nevada, and I'm here, Dom. I'm on the Vegas Strip. I look out that window, I see the, the sphere, this gigantic new ball that's covered with diodes or whatever, man. It's super cool. That's out one window, and then out this window. I got some golf going on out this window, Dom, <laughs> up here on Growth the... Life. 19th floor of the MGM Signature Tower. Oh, man, that's very, way better than a circus. circus. I, I noticed very how similar you accommodations, Tom. You're not with me. I see how, I see how it works, Grody. It, it, it is certainly an upgrade from when we first started <laughs> this this foray, Dom. We've taken a few political trips to the state of Nevada, most recently, I believe, November of 2019. But we will turn our attention to Nevada soon. The breaking news, though, the... Immunity case, Donald Trump in the D.C. Circuit, unanimous decision, full-throated all three justices or judges in this case, federal judges, have ruled against Trump, and they have done so with a unified voice. Basically, he has been bitch-slapped by the Circuit Court Judiciary, Dom, and his only possible, <coughs> pardon me, his only possible, what, last-ditch hope is the U.S. Supreme Court, and he's got to make his appeal to them, not non-bank of the D.C. Circuit, but to the U.S. Supreme Court. He's got a week. 
He says he'll appeal to him, but he doesn't say who he's appealing to because he'd like to add a step, right? He'd like to throw another step in there, the en banc ruling, because once the appellate court, in this case, three just uh, judges, I forget if they're called judges or justices, at the appellate court level in the federal. So I apologize. I don't usually work in the federal courts. More of a state court guy myself. But um, I am let's just say a little excited about this news and I look forward to what it might mean for the nation. Our former president is not a King and probably, probably is going to end up going to trial soon. Uh, also more breaking news down because we didn't have enough. <coughs> Pardon me. SCOTUS will have oral arguments on whether or not Trump should be disqualified from the ballot over the multitude of 14th amendment challenges and uh, apparently the SCOTUS will hear oral arguments. That's coming up soon, right, Tom? It is. It's coming up very soon. Uh, also, regarding the timing here, uh, who is it? Uh, Andrew Weissman, former FBI general counsel and assistant to U.S. attorney, uh, had some comments on the timing, and here's what he said. Of course, he has one avenue talking about Trump, which is to go to the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court says, no, we are not hearing this case, then we could be at trial by the end of May or the beginning of June. Chutkin seems very clear she wants to hold this case. Well, Tom, it's something to look forward to, but I want to look a little... My birthday's in June, man. So is Trump's birthday. We share the same birthday. What a glorious gift that would be if he was on trial for his J6 insurrection, trying to overthrow the government antics on his birthday. What about my birthday? My birthday's two days away from your birthday. If if Trump's at trial during your birthday, he's probably at trial during my birthday. They're the same week, dude. Thanks for thinking of Trump over me, your your oh, Gemini sure, partner in crime. Thanks for trying to slide yourself into something that's got nothing to do with you. Were you born on June 14th? No. I was. Trump was. That's why it mattered. But yes, Trudy, your birthday's very close to ours as well. Me and George W. Bush. H.W. <laughs> H.W., June 12th, baby. That's the real important day. Uh, (laughs) Dom, let's let's consider our audience here. They may have some comments, and I've got some some local news of a very unsavory sort (laughs) I want to get to. I'm dying to get to the the Dan Kelly story. You can't spell Dan Kelly without two L's and uh, apparently a horse. But we'll get to that in just a minute. 844. 967-2789. You're going to want to stick around for the Dan Kelly story. This one, and I don't, I don't blanch easy, shock easy down, but even, even I was a, a a little blush to read this story on the airplane this morning. I'm thinking, hmm, I've never, you're just going to have to stick around people. You're going to have to wait. You big tease. Curtis a big tease. Oh, coming soon. Very, very soon. We'll get to that. And we'll talk about what's going on here in Nevada. But first, want to hear from you. Got any comments on Trump's non-immunity? Immunity revoked? 844-967-2789. Let's get to it. Annie from Watertown. You're up. Thank you, Annie. What do you got for us today? Hey, Annie. What I'm picturing is Trump sitting there, tongue beneath his teeth, stubby pencils, trying to fill out forms because he doesn't have a lawyer and he's got to figure out how to fill out file this appeal all on his own 
<laughs> oh, he's got lawyers. I'd rather think of Trump making license plates someday soon, but, you know, to each their own. We, we, we all have our own little fantasies, don't we, Andy? That one's mine. Trump's press and license plates. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait, Andy. Thank you. Appreciate you listening. 844-967-2789. Dick from Madison, you are next. Welcome, Dick. What do you think? Oh, hey, guys. Um, <laughs> you there? Yep, yeah, we're go ahead. here. You're on the air, man. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's funny. He takes this tack that the presidents are immune, but on the stump, all the time he's saying one of the first priorities when he's in office, I'm going to go after Biden and, and prosecute him. <laughs> Don't these people see how delusional this guy is? I mean, how can both of those things really? be true in the same breath, right, Dick? Right, right. And he, but he, apparently, that's one of his leading things that he never leaves out when he's out on the stump uh, campaigning that he's going to prosecute Joe Biden. Well, I thought he was immune. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is ridiculous at this point. Uh, thanks for the call, Dick. Appreciate it. Eight four four. Nine six seven two seven eight nine. I was looking for. I think Trump did have some response. He's already what, sending out uh, emails, right? He's sending out his solicitations for donations because he's not immune. You got to give me money. Here's it from the raw story. I have no immunity. Trump begs fans for cash after court rules he can be prosecuted. Trump's all caps message hurls accusations against the Justice Department, the Biden administration and the federal court system, all of which he claims have been united in a massive witch hunt. I like to call it a conspiracy because that's what the mega believe in. They're all about the conspiracy. Not that your guy's just a raging criminal, can't help but being a criminal, but that this is somehow, you know, everyone against him. Well, when, you, when you're a criminal to that degree, you're going to have, you know, I don't know, the Justice Department coming after you. Here's, here's what he said, quote, moments ago, federal judges have ruled that, quote, all caps, I have no presidential immunity. They won't stop until the mega movement is erased. Trump no, demands that's me. That his... <laughs> yeah, I made that my it. life mission. <laughs> right. Trump demands his supporters all chip in. Chip in, Crudy, before the day is done so that he, the former president accused of attempting to disrupt the peaceful transfer of power in the 2020 election, can better fight against tyranny. Joe Biden has weaponized the entire federal government against us. They'll never stop targeting us, but I know with your support at this very moment, all caps, we will win. We will win. You will not win, uh, Trump. So I suspect grift, you will lose again. The grift continues. 844-967-2789. Tom, may I, may I talk about the Dan Kelly story now? Okay, I think, yeah. Please. I mean, this is breaking news. We didn't know this was going to happen, but yes, let, let's address the local story here, Curdy. This is shocking, I tell you. Well, I also find it ironic that as Trump is being found to have no immunity, and one of his claims was, "Well, you gotta, you gotta impeach me successfully, and then I would be, then I would be subject to prosecution." But today, as I speak, Tom, do you realize debate is going on on the House floor to impeach? the DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Mm -hmm. debate to impeach is going on concurrently with the greatest radio show ever. 
that's that's you know a a low action thing. But what you've been waiting for, folks, this story from the Journal Sentinel. You you may you may want to cover the kids' ears because this one gets a little a little dirty. Dateline Madison. Wisconsin voters were bombarded with ads last year in the most expensive state Supreme Court race in U.S. history, but they probably didn't notice commercials paid for by Janet Protasiewicz's campaign featured a number of horses. Hmm, why would they do that? The unusual detail was never explained to voters until now, when a campaign official claimed a crude, not crudy, a crude reason, not me for a change. <laughs> Could be both, right? Now, Don Protasiewicz's campaign for Wisconsin Supreme Court used a portion of its massive fundraising hall to hide horse figurines and feature neighing in ads as an apparent subliminal reference to baseless inside jokes about her opponent fornicating with horses. What? <laughs> Protasiewicz's campaign manager said in a recent interview, now... Protasiewicz's campaign manager Alejandro Verdon, not to be confused with the now being impeached Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, he, again, Alejandro Verdon was the campaign manager to Protasiewicz's Wisconsin Supreme Court race. And he said in a January 25th appearance with a liberal podcaster that the campaign hid images of horses in negative campaign ads against former Justice Dan Kelly and used audio of a horse dang in one radio spot to convey the message he alleged came from focus groups that Kelly looked like a, let's just say, a horse fornicator, Dom, because I can't <laughs> use the other F word that apparently they used. <laughs> He's a horse fornicator, I tell you. I but mean, the I, fact I guess I, I haven't seen, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe you know one or you don't. I don't know what, you know, that there's a, a typical look to a horse fornicator, but if there is, apparently, is Dan Kelly according to what? Focus groups? I mean, how, how does that come out? Hey, what do you what do you think of this guy? Oh, I gotta tell you, I don't know much, but it looks like that one guy used to know. He was a horse fornicator. Is what <laughs> Do you do you recall there was a Wisconsin State Republican legislator, I believe now Senator Andre Jacques? Andre he's Jacques, been... he's all against the horse fornicating. He's he's now he is. He's very against the horse fornication. But if he were successful and the the allegations against Kelly were true, Dom. If they were true. We don't know I if they're him. true. No, what, just, what, how did a... Kelly respond, Dom? How does one <laughs> respond to the allegation that they you look like a horse focused... fornicator? Yes. <laughs> Um, you Kelly look like the, the prototypical horse fornicator. <laughs> this goes a long way towards explaining why Janet Protasiewicz's campaign was so dishonest, undignified, and lacking in respect for the office of Supreme Court justice. This is just sick. Wisconsinites ought to be appalled by this kind of vulgarity and vileness. Appalled? I was thinking it should be applauded. I, 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 I mean, you know, it's a long campaign, a lot of work done, you know, very important stuff. But if a alleged horse fornicator is your, you know, opponent for the, for the bench down and, and you've somehow incorporated this broadly into your advertising campaign with subliminal <laughs> messages and name, I mean, I heard it a well, couple of uh, times, like during the, the yeah, campaign, yeah. 
But now we know. Focus groups say Dan Kelly very much resembles a horse fornicator. Yes. Now, that's not an allegation of actual horse fornicating, just that he looks like someone who would fornicate with a horse. Those well, are two totally separate things. I don't want to be clear on that. And, and of course, you know, I have, you know, this kind of humor, like you said, they're long campaigns. You know, it can get, you know, a little uh, over the top sometimes, but whatever. It's funny. It's, that's funny. It's terrible, but it's funny. The campaign also ran a radio ad poking fun at Kelly's family history. The candidate describes his dad, who worked on ranches in Wyoming, Colorado, and California, is an honest to God cowboy. Kelly sometimes shared an anecdote of the on the campaign trail about his father promising that while he could not leave him many material possessions, he would leave his son a good name. There goes Dirty Dan Kelly riding off into the sunset of his pathetic, dishonest campaign, said a narrator after the son of a horse neighing. That's, that's funny. This was sort of an internal joke that we all kind of laughed about because it was just such a weird thing but then like weirdly we started hearing it on the campaign trail from other people and mr red the devil's advocates because freedom of course of course of course and no one can talk to a horse of course that is of course unless the horse is the famous mr red go right to the to the devil's advocates radio show thank you for listening you can join us 844-967-2789 Huge controversy here in the state of Wisconsin. Molly Beck and Jesse Appoyne reporting at the Journal Sentinel. The Protosawitz campaign official claims vulgar reason for embedding horses in their ads. Apparently, focus groups suggested that Dan Kelly, can't say Kelly without two L's, looks like the kind of guy who would fornicate with the horse. And so they decided to kind of run with it. A little bit more from the reporting. Uh, the in, uh, This was sort of an internal joke that we all kind of laughed about because it was it was just such a thing. It was just a weird thing. But then, like, weirdly, we started hearing about it on the campaign trail from other people, the campaign manager, Verdon, said in an interview. Verdon said that the internal joke was then taken to another level by media consultant Ben Knuckles, who also worked on Governor Tony Evers' campaigns. He literally hid visuals of horses in nearly every negative ad produced against Dan Kelly, Verdon said. You didn't see it, and when we didn't, ca- and we didn't catch on, and, like, he did it really well. Nichols declined to be interviewed. Vernon said he found the chatter funny. Another quote. The thing that was so funny about it was that one, it's an uncommon insult. Two, it's just like a very weird thing. (laughs) And three, the funniest thing about this is that Dan Kelly, his father was a cowboy from the West and Dan Kelly himself was a horseman. Oh, I've always heard that about him. (laughs) That's the allegation. He looks like a horse. Yeah. Uh, I hear he's so good. He rides them bareback. Protestant was defeated Kelly by 11 points no, in April. You're, you're confusing Trump and porn stars. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm so confused. Uh, and finally, Molly Beck and Jesse Point, the fine reporting of the Journal Sentinel. The Protestant campaign spent nearly $13 million on TV advertising. It's unclear how much of that was allocated to ads featuring horses. <laughs> We've got someone oh. on the text text line saying, does Andre Jacques know about this horse play? Senator <laughs> Andre Jacques, very, very against the horse play, apparently. Dom. He's not uh, down with so, the horse play. 
but I, I'm, I'm, I think there's these kinds of insults go happen a lot, man. You know, and and to 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 have it actually take off in the campaign and have their campaign, you know, media person sneak a little. I mean, that that that's that's kind of funny. You know, we don't get it. We get it now. Um, but is it is it really that terrible? You know, so I'm gonna call. I'm not gonna call it gallows humor, but it's it's there again. Dan Kelly, very, very, very upset. More like was more it, like stables Dan- humor, Dom. <laughs> nice. Wasn't Dan Kelly very <laughs> rude to protest? Oh, he's the after- most. If you to to know Dan Kelly is to not like Dan Kelly. I mean, if you've ever met Dan Kelly, I'm shocked the man has propagated. I'm shocked he has children because, you know, the the thought of someone finding Dan Kelly attractive is 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 really almost implausible because oh man everyone needs a little love no 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 but have you ever talked to the man he's the most contemptuous pompous ass I've ever met in my life Dom and I work with you every day but (laughs) let's not forget Kelly's first attempt at the court when he went against Jill Karofsky and uh who was our buddy Ed Falone was in the primary at that time and in our former life, when we were WRD and, and Devil Radio, we actually broadcast that event. We provided the exclusive broadcast. How do I know? I'm the guy that brought the microphones and wired the room in a suit like 15 minutes before it happened. And so anyways, any pictures you've ever seen of Dan Kelly with like a studio microphone with funky cord colors? Those are ours. But anyways, <laughs> I saw Dan Kelly at that event. Oh, my God. To know yeah. this man is to not like this man. And and just, I knew he was going to lose because of the prior history of being a loser. But, I mean, I knew he was going to lose with a big exclamation point to Janet Protasiewicz, Dom. And 11 points? That wasn't even a close horse race, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little bit about uh, back in April of 2023, not quite a year ago, uh, when Dan Kelly lost his race. Here was his quote-unquote concession speech. I wish that in a circumstance like this, I would be able to concede to a worthy opponent, but I do not have a worthy opponent to which I can concede. If he'd have lost the secretariat, perhaps, Dom. (laughs) He was like Barbaro, man. Couldn't make the last turn. He said the campaign was deeply deceitful, dishonorable, and despicable. I say this not because we did not prevail. Yeah, right. I do not say this because of the rancid slanders that were launched against me. (laughs) Although that was bad enough. (laughs) But this is not my concern. My concern is the damage done to the institution of the courts. My opponent is a serial liar. She disregarded judicial ethics. She demeaned the judiciary with her behavior. This is the future that we have to look forward to in Wisconsin. I wish Wisconsin the best of luck because it's going to need it. (laughs) You know, the fact that Dan Kelly, when he first lost his first Supreme Court race, he was on the court at the time. He was an incumbent. Yeah, right. He was a a a wanker appointee. By Walker, yeah. 844-967-2789. Jeff from Madison got a Dan Kelly story laid on us, Jeff. Hey, Dan. Uh, Jeff. Hey, hey, hey. So I, uh, I, I am 99.9% sure that I ran into Dan Kelly down at a spa in Lake Geneva when I took my wife there for uh, an anniversary. Uh, was he in the stables? 
Yeah, no, he, he was uh, poolside pool in the uh, in the uh, robe, but he had like those accordion file folder things. He had like yeah. three of them, and he you know got up and left midday, but he just left all his garbage and trash just laying all around where he was sitting, and I'm like, that guy is such a jerk. When you say well, garbage, like a pig and not a horse. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Let's squeeze in. Jake, we can give you about a minute. Jake, welcome. What do you got for us? Hey, I, you know, everyone knows how much Republicans love Russia, but I had no idea that Catherine the Great was Dan Kelly's personal hero. <laughs> <laughs> Go read a history book, folks. If you don't know the joke, look it up. It's worth a Google. Thanks for the call, Jack. Uh, my, I don't know if it's exactly true, but it has been a story for some time. Yes, Catherine the Great. Uh, Catherine wow. the Great or Dan the Double Loser Horseman Kelly story? Because this is a new news to me, Dom. <laughs> yeah. And and the, the gentleman that talked about him leaving, you know, the garbage around yeah. him. Fresh, Was it all yeah. hay and sugar cubes? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we're at the Devil's Advocates. Crudy's doing a live from Vegas show. Why? Why, you might ask. I'll tell you when we come back. Because they are voting. It's a primary day. Joe Biden's on the ballot. Nikki Haley's on the ballot. And Trump is not on the ballot, Tom. I'll tell you what that all means. A happier happy hour. Dan Kelly? I think it's probably true.